everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Okay, guys, we've got a great one for you today. We are here with none other than Nicole Rodriguez, Beverly Hills boss. Uh, She started NRPR, which is a PR company that uh, she founded and um, back in 2014. So let's just go ahead and welcome Nicole to the show. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, we're so excited to dig into all the juicy details. Maybe you could just start by giving everybody a little bit of your background and how you decided to go, why you decided to go out on your own. Yeah, you got it. So I have actually been in PR and marketing for 20 years now, so two decades um, very, very happy and you know, fortunate that I found something that I loved um, in college. So PR was my major in college, and I, got a, I had a minor in mass communication. So in college, I actually had a vision for eventually starting a PR firm of my own, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know when. I just knew it was something that I had aimed to do eventually in my career. And what I thought was, you know, I have been very blessed to have had great mentors and bosses uh, through my career and found that what was most valuable to me was their ability to pass knowledge down in a way helped me. And I thought, well, when I start my company, I want to be at such a place that I can teach down to every level and feel like everyone at my firm can come to me and ask for advice and they know that they are working alongside someone who knows what they're doing. Because I don't know about you, but I've also had the opposite where I had, you know, people or senior people above me where I was like, God, this person somehow (laughs) skated by and and claimed this title. And this is so annoying because they can't help me at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was a big thing for me. And I thought, okay, as I go up the, the ladder, okay, I make sure that I feel absolutely comfortable in each of these ladder rungs, if you will, so that by the time I get to a certain place, I'll know when I'm ready. And so about 13, 14 years into PR and into my career, I was vice president at a very large firm here in Los Angeles. So uh, Hulu was a client. YouTube was one of my clients. Um, MGO, which was another streaming platform. DC Comics was actually a, a client of the firm. So you see the level um, that it was at and, and being the vice president of my own vision, having to balance budgets, having to keep clients happy, manage strategy, hire people. I was basically inside my own little mini firm and I found, whoa, this is actually working. And it, with clients of this high caliber who are trusting my insights trusting my strategy, a team that's running behind me that is basically, you know, just going after it, you know, whatever we put out there in terms of what we want to do for the clients, and we're actually turning around great results. It was there that I knew I could either become the president of this division, or I could become the CEO of my own firm. And that was when I took a long, hard look, and this was probably around Christmas break, you know, when everyone has two weeks off and mm-hmm. taking their time. So this was probably December of 2013 that all the little building blocks started sitting in my head. And I thought, I think I could do this. 
January went into work and it was just starting to feel weird, almost like you don't belong here anymore. You're not supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so I remember, you know, close to mid to late January of 2014, I went to my boss, um, who was the CEO at the time, who I massive amount of respect for, uh, respect for. And I gave him my three week notice. I knew that my position was easy to fill. Um, but I just thought, you know what, I'm going to not just put in two, I'll give you three. And I just, I gave him this letter of trying to hold back the tears because I knew this was going to be a scary time for me. But in that time in December, I gut checked my finances, looked at myself personally and thought, if you were going to Vegas and putting it all on black, would you bet on yourself? And that answer was yes. And I was ready. Okay. Let's get into that a little bit. When you say you looked at your finances, because Mm -hmm. I have been fortunate enough to read your finance chapter from your Beverly Hills (laughs) boss book, and it's so good. And um, when you say you looked at your finances, you didn't glance over your bank account. You looked at them. Let's talk, the, let's talk about that. Exactly what did you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I did was I looked two months out, right? I had some money in a personal account. And I said, if I pay every bill that's owed two months up, right, thinking about that, um, my, my daughter's school tuition, if I pay that for February and March, um, if I have this, if I pay this for February and March or even into April, that means that I am left with $15,000 to my name after paying 60 days up front, if you will, buying myself 60 days. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> like, oh, that's not a lot. You know, it's, it, it was, it, that was a reality. But then I thought, okay, wait, good. I, I have a 401k and um, if all goes to hell, I could tap into that, right? Like that was like last right. resort. I thought, okay, that's plan C, yeah. just it's going to sit there. Um, okay, I have yes. 60 days over my head. Up, what exactly up. do I need? Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, And then I started looking around my house and I started looking at assets, right? And I'm like, wow, this dress that I bought that was ridiculously expensive and I should sell it because I'm never going to wear it again. It's already been in tons of pictures. There's eBay. I started selling dresses, shoes. I just started noticing stuff. Everything became stuff in my house at that point. And it was replaceable. And I said, if I sell it, what can I get? And so I thought, okay, I sold a bunch of stuff, probably another 3000 in my account after the 15th. So I stacked that on top. And then I also looked, okay, my car is paid off. Thank God. I don't have to worry about, you know, if, if, I, if I can live in this car, just kidding. But like, really, you know, I'm like, well, you know, this is worst case scenario if things just never take off because I didn't want to on the fact that I knew that at work, how much heart and soul I put into working at that company, right? And I didn't want to give them half mass knowing they were paying me a very good salary and it wouldn't be fair. And I just thought, you know what, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in. And if I fail, thankfully, you know, I'll just, I'll find another job, but, but let's just give this a try. So from selling things and adding that in, um, I found a friend who she was actually Um, thinking about getting her company off the ground. And so I said, let me consult for you for a month. I'm telling you right now, I'm not working at the other company after I'm done with the three weeks, take in my vacation pay. Thankfully that had stacked up because I hadn't gone on vacation. So I had a full two weeks. So everything that could possibly be stacked, I put right there and I just was like, (laughs) this is the dollar amount, girlfriend. And this is going to go to zero fast in 60 days. Are you after these Mm -hmm. 60 days if you don't make it? And so it was a very real and like, it it was, it was scary to take that leap of faith. But then at that point, I started budgeting. I realized that after paying rent for two months that I could move out and I found a little place for rent for five. I felt like I was, it was a room that um, a good friend of my brother's she had her own, she was like, you know, a little older and retired. And so she was living alone and she had an extra room. And I was like, hi, can I be your little live-in daughter? 
And so <laughs> it was just a room that I had uh, rented and my daughter giggled. She's like, geez, mom, what are we doing? And I'm like, bear with me, girl. Just bear with me because I think, you know, this is going to be very temporary, but I need to make sure there's no stress finances mm -hmm. and keeping a roof over our head for me to go all in the way I know I can go all in on the company. And that was all so temporary. And I tell people what I did was I looked at it and said, I'm going to pull back like, um, like a slingshot. I'm going to pull back. I'm not going to buy things. I'm not going to go to restaurants. I'm not going to have crazy rent. I'm not going to have any of these things. I'm going to pull way back, not even have a social life. But then when I start pushing forward and this company goes forward the way I know we can, slingshot way forward. And I'll tell you now where I'm living and now the office, I mean, Tasha, you've seen the office. Like that was the office of my dreams. And, yes. and now we have Gorgeous it. We office. can afford it. Thank you. And, and now the my home that I'm living in, I'm like, I could have never, I, I've never lived in a nicer home, but I had to pull back. And that's right. what I, you know, more entrepreneurs knew just looking in all those little ways that, that if they just get after it, survival mode kicks in and man, you'll mm -hmm. be surprised. What yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, um, you thought about taking out a loan. You thought about raising yes. money. Let's talk about why you decided not to do that. Yeah. That's really, really good points and good questions. So what I realized, especially with a lot of um, startup companies, helping um, them out, you know, with is I realized how much stress entrepreneurs take on with borrowed money. And even if it's a venture capitalist or even if it's angel money that's coming from somewhere or it's friends and family, that is still borrowed money and borrowed time. And essentially, these people are looking for the ROI. They're, they're not looking to just burn money, right? They're going to be asking you about how are things going? Well, what do your margins look like? And, and, you know, how many people have you hired? Is there a way you can cut back? At what point am I getting my money back, right? But even though if you take out a loan, they're not going to be calling you every day, but that pressure of having to pay something back or having to answer to someone, for me in the first year of my business at least, I didn't want that kind of pressure on myself. I thought if I gamble all this money, right, like taking the money that I have and I gamble it away, the only person I'm answering to is myself and, you know, looking at my daughter in the face and saying, well, this private school that you're going to, we're going to have to change that up. <laughs> you know, that was, um, but so those were the risks with just a little bit of pulling back and a little bit of risk taking and living modestly that would take some of the pressure off of having to give anything back with interest, if you will. So I just thought if I don't have to pull money from an outside source, because when you do that, you owe money back and then some, mm -hmm. I thought, can I just focus on the success, be a little bit hungry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I had a tiny bit of a cushion and, and um, so I just thought the short-term struggle could be worth the long-term gain, not having to give back just so, you know, oh, so that I could have a little bit more in my pocket so I could maybe go to a few restaurants and eat nice and, you know, maybe, you know, live somewhere else right? Mm -hmm. I would be living on someone else's mm -hmm. dollar, someone else's dime, and ultimately having to give that back to that someone else. And I thought, no, the money that does come in for the company, I want that money to go directly back into the company. And whatever I can pay myself to simply just live, that is all I'm going to need, right? Mm -hmm. And because right. of that, it really worked out in the long run when we signed the first few clients, it was like, wow, wait, this is real money, not money that I owe anybody back. This real yes. money can go towards office rent right away. <sighs> and I, I found a great little spot in Beverly Hills, just in old Beverly Hills with a cute little office, perfectly priced. And I literally bought furniture from Target and Overstock.com and some mm -hmm. other great places made it look adorable on a, yes. on a budget, not on borrowed money. And because of that, it was like, 
welcome new business prospects. Come right. to my office and yeah. see how adorable it is and see that we are real. And because of that, we were able to show that we were legitimately a running business and ask for more in terms of budget and received more. And it was real money that we got to keep and retain and not have to give back to a loan. So it really worked. Yeah. That All added pressure meetings. is definitely, yeah, very scary and a lot to deal with while also having to deal with everything else that you, you know, you face while starting a business. So I can see that for sure. <laughs> well, it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're going out on your own so you don't have a, do- a boss, but then all of a sudden yeah. you kind of do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you owe someone money, they kind of technically become a boss in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It becomes someone you have to answer to. And I knew I was going to be taking a lot of risks up front with my company, especially with clients and trying to build that I had faith in my abilities. And I know that people from the outside looking in could probably see like, gosh, you're worth way more than that. Why would you only charge a client $1,000 when you're worth 10? And I thought to myself, I don't want to have to answer to anybody. I want to be able to take anything that I believe in that I know I could build a great case study around for future building versus, well, nope, that's $1,000, but I'm going to pass it up because I'm waiting for $10,000 to show up at my door. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, it was like, no, if you've got $1,000 in something I believe in, I'm going to give you 15 worth of service and, and you're going to feel it so that you go out there and shout my name through the rooftops. And that yeah. became my advertising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. How long were you at your PR company before moving on to building your own? Um, at that particular company, I think two and a half years going on three. Okay. That's why I was like, okay, if the next step is ultimately president of this division, let's just, let's gut check on what you really want your next step to be. But you'd been in the PR business for like, what, 13 years, 12, 13 yeah, years? 13, 14 years. 14 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. before starting awesome. your own business. So you so knew starting, what you were right. doing. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. You had, a, you had a lot of background going into it. You had seen every aspect of what it was going to take. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I made the mistakes, right? I made the mistakes working in other places. I learned from them. And, um, and that's why it was like, okay, I've done this. Oh, I messed up. There. Here's where we're going to put systems in place early because and had I known that seven years ago, I wouldn't have made that mistake. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> want a future employee making that mistake on me. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I learned a lot, um, growing through that process. And so I do believe that there's something to be said about appreciating a job when you have mm-hmm. giving it 110% and not looking at it like, Oh, I work for somebody else. It's, no, what, what can you take from this opportunity to show them and show yourself that you can, you know, do really, really well. And everywhere I worked, I gave 110%. And because of that, three people who used to employ me as an employee are now my clients. They're like, man, oh, we wow. know how hard you work. Yeah, it, it, That's that, awesome. it was, it's crazy. Yeah. So they were like, we heard you started a firm. You want us <laughs> to be your client? I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And that speaks so highly of you right there. I mean, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Thank you. Well, and I think it's important also for like students in college to see that and see, because I mean, in my experience, I went from college to straight into my, um, my own business. And I, I think it actually hurt me a lot because I didn't, I, it was like such an imposter syndrome kind of situation where I just never felt like I was good enough or validated in my work. Whereas if you are have that, you know, prior experience and many years of experience in that field, at least, you know, like you said, you made the mistakes when you, you know, they weren't as high risk and, you know, you praised for your good work. And so I think it, there's a lot for a lot of people who want to just jump straight from like college into going into their full or going into like their own business. I also think that there's a lot of, um, you know, importance of going into your field of work that you're hoping to get into. And then later, you know, down the line, but I think there's just sometimes such a rush to get into like your dream job. And I think it's important to like, have these experiences, you know, create and form what your dream job will actually look like in the future. 
For sure. Yeah. And, and believe me, throughout the 13 or 14 years, I, you know, there were like, is now the time? Is now yeah. the time? What if, I, <laughs> what if I did it now? You know, I would dream, right? And I would, right. and then it was like, oh, but I know that Stacy or Matt and Jeff, like some of my mentors, you know what? They could write a proposal with their eyes closed. They're so damn good at it. And I'm still, if I'm going to open up my own firm, I have to know how to write a damn proposal as good as they do. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting my butt right here until I learn that. Right. And so it just, each and every time it was like, if I knew that one of my bosses or mentors knew something better than I did, I'd stick around to make sure that I was learning from them and that I was watching and, and paying attention. And that's what kept pushing me pushing me back each time. It's like, no, you're not ready. You're not ready. And now a new client comes, I, I could put a proposal together and feel so good about it in a matter of hours. Right. I, I would never, years ago, I would, I was never, I was not it. So that's back. But believe me, I dream is like, oh, maybe now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so important to stress because I do think that, everything's entrepreneurship, build your own thing, you know, go out right. on your own, but there is so much value. And Jacqueline Johnson talks about that too. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much value in working at a company that's established that has good systems in place and that has, that doesn't yeah. have good systems in yeah. place. Both are great learning mm -hmm. opportunities and being that's patient right. and learning those lessons before you decide, you know, uh, before you decide to just go with the ego and get out too soon and, oh, you're not ready and it's a struggle and you're, you're, you don't have that preparedness underneath you and you realize, oh, wait, I'm scared to do this proposal. I, what if I mess up or, you know, you yeah. weren't, you didn't right. have that fear and no. definitely like uh, Angelica was talking about, I mean, we can all have imposter syndrome no matter what phase yes, we're at still. But if you haven't done your, you know, kind of put in your hours uh, mm -hmm. and learned what you need to learn, then of course you're going to have it. And it's, um, it's going to be a lot scarier um, if, if you haven't put that time in. So such good advice. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I exactly, exactly right. And that's also why sometimes when I speak to students, I say, look, I'm not here and sit and, and discourage you from, from ever, you know, just going out and giving something a shot. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you in my profession, right. In PR, in marketing, um, there's no way to learn it all in one year, but clients who don't know and are relying on you for that expertise, if they come to you and they're saying, I want X, Y, Z. And in your gut, you're like, crap, I don't know how we're going to be able to do that. There's, there's such a thing as that, that exchange of money and that, that car, sometimes it might make you feel bad. Oh, I just took his money and I have no idea, you know, and that yeah. thing in my mind where if I didn't know I could service a client in a way that made sense for their business goals, you know, cause I would ask them, you know, what are your business goals? Why do you want PR? I need to know clearly mm -hmm. because if I can give that to you, great. But if I can't, like you're asking for something that's impossible, then I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I needed to get myself to a place where I could look a client in the eye and say, yeah, that's going to cost you $7,000 a month. And in fact, I know how this can impact your bottom line. Cause I've seen it happen. This is the way we're going to do. It. You got to trust me. All of it is here in this proposal give me a couple of months and we'll do it. That was going to be the only way I knew I was going to be able to retain customers. And in order to keep a business going, client retention yeah. is everything, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing where each and every time I was like, oh, nope, I can't write a proposal. I can't. And when I knew I could, and man, when I, when I wrote the YouTube proposal, you know, damn. That was, if that wasn't a confidence booster, I don't know what was. And I was like, holy shit, did that just happen? <laughs> like, oh my God, not only did we do it, we did it super creatively. And, you know, there were two other women that I worked on it with, but it was my baby, right? And, and so when that happened and we won the YouTube business, there was just 
something in my whole confidence level after that, even knowing we had Hulu and knowing we had all these other big brands that I had, you know, pitched and we won before Mm -hmm. that one, because so much of it was a lot of these ideas. I was like, Oh, watch out people. We are on, (laughs) on now. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and it was probably about eight months or so after, after winning that business that I was like, yep, I'm doing it. So that was a big thing. That is awesome. Well, and Mm -hmm. I'm curious now that we're in this crazy global pandemic um, and, you know, a lot of us have a lot more time on our hands, which is quite a blessing because we, I think very rarely do get this time. Um, How how would you, I guess, give, or what, what is the best advice you give someone who has been wanting to start their own business for a while and now they have the time? What are some like lessons or pieces of advice that you would advise them to start with? Yeah resources or anything like that? Great, great, great question. Uh, and, you know, so many people who are faced with all of this time, um, mm-hmm. look at it as a blessing and say, okay, if you know exactly what you want to go into business with, right, if, if you've gotten that far to where you have that vision, I feel like so much of it starts with visualization. You know, screw a, a proper business plan. If you don't know how to pull one together, don't let that stop you. What is that vision? And what does that look like? And, and I would start there, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. is it you and a couple of people? Is it you and just you alone? Is it you and you have all these things and start writing down that vision because things like that become really powerful. Um, so for me, it was always NRPR group. It mm-hmm. always had to be group. I knew it wasn't just going to be me, although I started with me. I just needed to put it out there. How am I going to get employees? So we are a group, you know, and it was, you know, one of these days, it's going to be um, beautiful white building picture, and we're going to have multiple offices, and I'm going to have this nice big office, you know, and there's going to be seven or eight people here. And we're going to be calling all these other cities where our other team members work. And I'll tell you exactly what my vision was for the company. In March of 20. 14 when I registered the business is exactly what I have right now six years later exactly that's awesome so starting with that like just have fun and drink for kids and write it Mm -hmm. down and then check your finances (laughs) (laughs) and really curious about that I'll tell you that was literally you know the most important thing that I did because I needed to be able to look at my life realistically Mm -hmm. knowing that even when you start taking money from clients, that money doesn't all become yours. Think right. how much quote unquote paying me can I live off of? Mm-hmm. So that means that my company needs to be bringing in 5,000 a month just for me to take home 1,000 a month if I'm paying my bills or whatever it is, right? And so knowing what that threshold is, is going to help you as you figure out what the financial goals are and, um, and then what steps you need to take. The other thing too is on social media, if you have a name for your company, if you're thinking or you're dreaming about it now, check and see if the social media handles are taken yet, mm-hmm. right? Start putting that in place because it's free. Check to see if sites like GoDaddy or Enom have your URL available. Right. And usually they can go for pretty cheap, somewhere around 11 or 12 bucks, Mm -hmm. but secure that. Right. So that you have all of the social channels, you have the URL. And as you are building the vision for your business and putting all of that together, you know, that's secure. So no matter Mm -hmm. what, you have those things so that when you're ready to unveil your company, you can still do it, you know, in your time. So that was something that I did right away. I obviously registered my business legally, um, grabbed all of the URLs and things in, say, March um, or maybe even end of February of um, 2014. We didn't announce the company till June. So it did mm-hmm. take that time yeah. to put the branding in place, get the website built, get the messaging done. So it takes months and then it's okay, here we go. Life's on. We're ready for business Mm -hmm. in June. And we were ready to accept. 
And yes. it was because we had done that. So I recommend that to everyone. You know, if you know the name, you know what you want to do, go check, go grab yeah. it. That's right. Okay. Well, and I think it's important to budget out those months and like be prepared mm-hmm. for those months before actually launching because then you don't feel such a rush to launch before you're ready and then possibly make mistakes. So yeah, I definitely think like that's great advice to like have it in place and then also expect it to take a couple of months before you're really bringing in the income. So like maybe budget for those two or three or four months that you need mm-hmm. without any mm-hmm. substantial income coming in. Absolutely. Exactly. You want to get the ducks in a row and, and yes. feel good <laughs> about, you know, launching my with um I don't know just being present in that launch and not mm-hmm. like oh hey hey everybody the website's up yeah you know, mm-hmm. just thinking about <laughs> exactly. human psychology we all now are trained to search and look up companies we mm-hmm. go to the website but we're also going to see oh can I follow you on Instagram cool yeah. or should I follow you on Twitter as your friend what else can I do you know if a friend of mine said I started a company great well how can I support you in all ways Mm-hmm. You know, I can drive yeah, exactly. traffic to your website, but should I be following you in other places? Please let me know, point me to them. And what should I tell my friends mm-hmm. about the services you offer? And if you're not ready for that, then you haven't thought through the full process of, you know, being present online as a company nowadays. Yeah. I and what great. are some ways that, um, obviously right now we're kind of in an unusual time, but when things get back to normal, mm-hmm. um, and even now, what are some things that we can do to kind of PR ourselves out and um, market ourselves? Yeah, that's a really great question. I would start with your baseline, just being LinkedIn. And the reason I say that is because it's going to be the most corporate you're going to be, right? So I think of like, I have my different personalities. I've got, I've got Malibu Barbie, election, whatever, and then corporate Barbie. And that's our PR Nicole Barbie. So one really great tool that I've found um, that's free and especially for leaders can be beneficial for growing their business through, you know, word of mouth and through their expertise is LinkedIn Pulse. So everyone knows LinkedIn in terms of setting up a profile page that kind of looks like a a glimpse of their resume. But Mm -hmm. um, what LinkedIn has done is made it easy for you to quote unquote blog or share your thoughts um, in a deeper way through their platform. So it's called LinkedIn Pulse, but most people just, you know, it's it's LinkedIn. But um, Mm -hmm. so when you go to create a post, okay, you have an option of creating just a, hey, status update, or Mm -hmm. let me share this, or a physical blog post. And the beauty of that is, if I'm, um, say I'm a toy expert, okay, I worked at Mattel for years, and I'm going to reinvent the Slinky, and it's going to just, it's going to be this amazing, fun toy that most of you guys, you know, who are, you know, in my age bracket do remember. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to talk about my journey. I'm going to talk about the top five ways that you can market your new toy company, um, you know, without breaking the bank or how to reinvent old toys. I I might just write those things based on my knowledge, my expertise, Mm -hmm. my experience experience and share that. And in that blog post, use some Mm -hmm. hashtags that make it searchable, right? Hashtag Mm -hmm. entrepreneur, hashtag toy entrepreneur, hashtag slinky, hashtag this and that. So that when people are on LinkedIn and they are looking for advice, people who can help them, people that they want in their network, this comes up and this doesn't, doesn't cost you anything, right? So that is a really great free tool that all it costs you is your time. And you might want to maybe pay someone who is a great editor to take a look at it. Or if you have someone on your, on your team, that's a good writer. This is also why I recommend that, you know, PR companies should be thinking outside the box for all of their clients, right? We are really great with media relations, but owned content is becoming more and more um, important and Mm -hmm. own content is, still something that needs to be gut checked by a professional. If I'm going to put something up on LinkedIn and I have 30 typos, my sentence structure is off. I might've graduated college, but maybe I didn't graduate with an English degree or a journalism degree. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, like many people. Mm -hmm. So 
humble yourself, people, and get someone who can write just to look at your stuff or write it with you just so that you can use this really great free platform. Um, because, yeah, that's, to me, that's just something that, one, we utilize and have utilized from early on and um, it gets people talking to you rather than feeling like you are sending them an ad that says, use my business. We are great. It's more like, let's have a conversation. What do you think about this and how, how does this help you? Um, it, it makes for really great legion. And so when I started NRPR, of course, I was my own PR person. It was me, so company. And so I was the one putting up the social media posts. I was the one um, you know, writing our message on our website. Then I turned to my sister who knew how to create Instagram images and she was really creative. So, you know, had her do that for me on the fly and um, the trade work, right? I would look at things for her and edit them because I'm a good writer. In turn, she would do some graphics for me so that it looked like there was some energy on my media channel mm-hmm. in the company. And then it got to a point where I was able to bring on a couple of employees and I turned the tables on them and I said, I want to train you on how to properly manage a client. So imagine I'm your client and imagine NRPR is a company that you represent. Where would you pitch me? Where would you pitch NRPR? When would you do a press release? And it became training for them and, and really good and something that we keep in intact now. NRPR itself as a PR firm, we have five people on our personal marketing team. Mm-hmm. So we all get together once a week and we think, how can we market us? How can we market us as individuals? How can we get me as the leader? How can we market you guys as thought leaders as well? So we, we think about our own marketing and now I, I'm able to pass that off to my team and I can just lead on strategy, which is great. So as a small business, uh, I've got a calligraphy business. Angelica has a photography mm-hmm. business. Um, what would be a good goal? You talk about how you ask what is a good goal for a PR company. What would, if we were coming to a PR company, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. So maybe you could help guide us if we were coming to you. What is a good goal for us to have that we would want you, you to help us execute? Yeah, no, that's, that's really great. So that's a great question. So if you were to come to me, um, like I usually, um, before we talk, of course, I'm going to do a little bit of homework on your company, right? A little bit so that we can have um, just a deeper conversation. But really, the main thing is, if you were saying, Nicole, someone told me that I need PR, um, I'm thinking that I do too, but I'm not sure why. I would want to make sure that we talked through that, right? So if you have a small calligraphy business or what have you, um, you want to take a look at what the extra attention can get you, mm-hmm. right? Because essentially that's what PR is meant to do is get you more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always meant to drive sales, right? Because sales mm-hmm. sometimes come after someone trusts your brand. So that means they need to see you a few times before they're like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So PR works within the umbrella of marketing and it is the one that can build the most trust because third-party validation from a media source that has no tie to your company and didn't receive, you know, thousands of dollars for an ad, right? Um, people are going to see that and they're going to trust that more than they're just going to trust a billboard and that says, my calligraphy is the best, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. okay, that's who. So you want that just to be part of it. I'm not saying don't use advertising as a business. I think there's a reason everything in the ecosystem works together. Mm -hmm. Um, But for PR specifically, we're going to take a look at, okay, the attention that that we can bring you. That can be measured in a couple of ways. One, volume, right? So we want to make sure that if we're working together, we get you seen by everyone and anyone, starting from, you know, the ground up. So many people think, oh, top down, if you just get me one feature in Forbes, everyone will know about me. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know who is reading everything. Uh, and at this point, if you're new or people don't know about you, maybe you've been around a few years, mm-hmm. but they don't know about you 
you need them to know about you. That means they need some sort of reality about you. Right now, there is no reality. You don't exist in their world. So volume is usually a really good indicator in the beginning. Like, okay, I, I want to get you in as many places that either review calligraphy, uh, talk about where calligraphy can be used. Maybe it's a wedding blog. Maybe it's an event planning blog. You know, so you start to dream up those scenarios where you can then take that attention that the media that we would find give you. Mm -hmm. And then because you were so smart to set up all your social media channels and your LinkedIn Pulse page and all of these great <laughs> amplifiers, mm -hmm. you then get that attention. And let's call that like a, a like one unit. And you take that one unit mm -hmm. and you say, great, I got this nice, you know, thing on weddingplanner.com. Hey guys, take a look at it. And then bam, you amplify it. That mm -hmm. becomes your next step. So we talk about where you stand in the amplification process. Are you ready to be able to do that if I get you the units of attention that you want? Because I can go and do that, but then what are you going to do as the next step? Mm -hmm. Oh, dang, Nicole, I'm not even on social media. Oh, okay, well, then that's a problem. We got to get you. Got to get Cinderella, Cinderella ready for the ball. So yeah. our team can, can also help you do that, too, if you're not there. But if you're not, it doesn't make sense to draw attention to something that can't be amplified. So we look at that together. Um, and that's how we would essentially work together. The other thing, too, is going back to the owned media, right? So we can go mm -hmm. and find you earned media. But I would talk to you about um, all right, you as an expert, what do you feel are the top 10 things you know the most about and that are just swimming around in your head that you should be sharing? Oh, well, I know how to build a company from the ground up, or I know how to go from corporate to solo. I know how to do this. You know, it could be, a, you could be a wealth of information on things not just within your space, but things that other people in your space who might be trying to grow could learn from. So we would say, mm -hmm. okay, as part of that too, how do we make you the media? How do we make you your own media person? Do you have a blog tab on your website? Are you familiar with LinkedIn Pulse? Can we use that? Do you have a Medium um, site? Because Medium also is a great place to blog and you can repurpose a lot of the content. It could mm -hmm. start on your company blog page then you can say, hey, this was originally posted on company, you know, mm -hmm. blog tab, but putting it on medium, putting it on LinkedIn Pulse, because again, amplification is everything. Every mm -hmm. time you have some sort of unit that shows your expertise, you want that to go far, because then guess what happens? That's when the inbound starts coming in, and that's what we want you to see. The goal is for you to get more attention from people who are looking at what it is you're sharing and they're like oh man that just got me thinking my sister is getting married in a year and she was thinking about what to do with her invitations i had no idea that this is what you could do i just read your wedding.com um mm -hmm. article thank you so much for sharing on facebook you know that got wow. me thinking about this that is how it all should be working together and i think people get short-sighted about, well, my marketing should just do this. My PR should just get me the article. Well, mm -hmm. that's, that's one together. little piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at your, your ecosystem and how it feeds um, the entire thing. And this is something that for CEOs, I'll tell you, for the CEOs that don't get it, that they're like, well, just how much coverage are you getting us? Well, okay, well, this is the coverage we're getting you, but your website is terrible. And so when people are going to your website, they're bouncing back off. And so those yeah. leads aren't getting captured or, or shoot, you're not even measuring them. If you're not measuring what it is our company is doing, you know, we, we do a lot of that with our reporting. Mm -hmm. um, so we do give that to clients, but then sometimes they don't look at it. And I'll tell you, I recently fired our biggest, biggest client because of that. I was like, I am just over you not looking at this and knowing how to use it for your business. So therefore yeah. you're not seeing the right. full picture value. And so instead of complaining, you're not going to sit here with us and go through the reports and see how it impacts your business. You're just looking at it from an ego standpoint and saying, where's my next tier one opportunity? And it's like, well, here's a, a 30 other <laughs> 
pieces that you have. And these 30 in this one month have driven X amount of traffic. But what we've seen is they're bouncing off because you need to look at your right. website and fix it. Well, right. You know, and so there's so no it's real teamwork. Like you, oh, 100%. And if that yeah. doesn't exist, it's, it becomes really hard to make it all work together. So I'm really big on making sure that there's just great chemistry, great relationship, great understanding mm -hmm. so that you know, as a business owner, where your money's going and how we mm -hmm. make it all work together. Yeah. Yes. That is so mm -hmm. powerful. <laughs> I mean, you have yeah. shed the light for me. I mean, definitely. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Oh my goodness. That was that was fire right there. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, I think it was like the, it captured exactly what PR is. And I feel like sometimes, I don't know, I think growing up, like I always kind of knew what PR was, but I never got like an exact answer from anyone. And so I don't yeah. know, that just really helped me like define, I was like, okay, now I like, that's what I've always thought it was. But for some reason, like no one could actually explain it that way. So I really appreciate that answer. Thank you so much. Um, and thank My you so pleasure. much again for being here and for, you know, sharing your knowledge with everyone. Um, we all really appreciate it. Um, we do love to wrap up every episode with two final questions. Um, the first mm -hmm. question being, what is your definition of success? Ah, yes. Success to me um, is being able to do something you love, get paid well enough for it to live in a way that feels satisfying to you, because that is different for everyone, mm -hmm. right? So success does not have to be Kylie Jenner billions. Mm -hmm. Success right. can be I'm making really good money doing the work that makes people happy, that makes me happy. I have a roof over my head. I'm eating. I'm steadily paying my bills. And yeah, I might go through ups and downs with my business, but overall I feel really good. And I'm also now being able to share that with others because mm -hmm. I've gotten here. And mm -hmm. to me, that is, that is absolute success. Love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is. Mm -hmm. That was great. Okay, now for our last question. What are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? Oh, um, let's see. Stress. Thinking about when I first started my company. So it can be stressful whether, you know, you have it or you don't and you are looking for whatever. Uh, essential. You know, it does mm -hmm. make the world and your business go round. So for anyone who says no to that, um, that's <sighs> just not true in the global economy that we live in. So it is essential. You do mm -hmm. need to do the things that get you the money. <laughs> uh, that doesn't need to be the goal, but you got to do the things and get that in exchange to, to keep living and continuing. Um, and the other is flexible. I think people need to understand that money can be stretched in so many different ways. You can find different ways of utilizing it, that it's not hard and concrete and this is $1 and this $1 can only do this. There are certain, there's so many ways to make money grow, to make money stretch, mm -hmm. to make money last. And so if people really put that in their mind that money is more flexible than they think, Mm -hmm. um, they start getting more creative. And I definitely learned that when starting my business. I love that. Oh, yeah, we haven't gotten that one. I love that. I know, right? <laughs> it's so good. So good. Yeah. Well, why don't you share with all of us where we can, all the different places we can find you at? Yeah, great. So um, you can find me at www.nrprgroup.com if you want to learn more about the marketing and PR aspects of my world. If you want to learn more about the entrepreneurship side uh, and how to grow and, and do all of those fun things, um, beverlyhillsboss.com mm -hmm. um, is where you're going to want to go. And I give everyone who visits the site a free top 10 mistakes report, which is a mistake mm -hmm. report that is like, I've learned 
from these things. So please don't do them. And I've also <laughs> seen other entrepreneurs make these mistakes. So please don't do that. So even if you don't buy the book, these 10 mistakes are a wealth of information and years of don't do this, please. <laughs> um, you know, so that you can take your, your business and, and prosper. Um, so those are the two places um, on the web. You can find me also on social media at Nicole RPR personally or at NRPR group uh, to find anything surrounding my company. And from there, you'll be able to find the Beverly Hills Boss stuff because I basically link to it in all of the others. So okay, um, much easier. Because you do quite a lot on YouTube with that, with I Beverly do, Hills Boss, I right? Do. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun new YouTube series that spun out of the idea from the book. So if you just search for Beverly Hills Boss um, on YouTube, you'll find um, I've interviewed um, media people. So if you want to know how media work, what they're looking for, how mm-hmm. to create a great story or pitch, um, I just interviewed Jefferson Graham from USA Today, who's a dear friend and a wealth of information. Um, so I do that. I also share PR tips. I also do fun reaction videos from the <laughs> PR perspective or marketing perspective in general uh, and talk about branding there as well. So it's really fun. The episodes are pretty short, um, but full of information. So yes, you can certainly Great. find me there as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. All the places. I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, great. Thank you so much for coming on, Nicole, and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you. Yes. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You guys are great. So keep up the good work. You know, more sharing of knowledge is is what we need to to help everyone out. So I commend you for that. And it's an honor to be on your show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay, you all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.